All right, welcome to Making the Argument. Before we get started, I have a very important announcement. We have a brand new deal with GoodRanchers.com. That's right. If you go into Good Ranchers and you use promo code Nick and you sign up for one of their subscriptions, you're not only going to get $15 off, but do you remember the old deal where you got two pounds of ground beef with each order? Well, we just upped the game. That's right. You can choose top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon now. Every single order you get on that subscription is going to come with free. Top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, or bacon. You get to choose which one if you use promo code Nick. And again, $15 off on top of that. That's a savings of $480 in meat by signing up for one of those subscriptions. Not to mention the fact that if you are looking for a gift for someone that is impossible to shop for, you can go on to GoodRanchers.com and get one of their brand new gift boxes. Now, this is a limited time only offer. It's part of their overall Black Friday special. So go on to GoodRanchers.com to get more details. Sign up for promo code Nick in order to get that deal and let's get on with the show. All right, we have some interesting bills that came about. In fact, there was one called the PACT Act, which a particular uh, Democrat veteran running for office uh, told a bunch of Republicans to, I think he said F you, when they voted against this bill. And of course, all of the media dutifully printed off that a bunch of Republicans opposed helping veterans. We're going to actually talk about what happened with that bill, what actually happened with it. Then we have another bill that I want to go over. I'm not even going to tell you what it is yet. Because it is quite possibly the best representation of how bills are named in Washington, D.C., which is to say they're named one thing, and that's usually an indication that it will do exactly the opposite. All of that and more coming up on this episode of Making the Argument. Thank you for joining us for this hour. We hope that you enjoy this episode. And if you walk away with something new that you can discuss with friends or family, I hope you will let us know in the YouTube comment section and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I am your host, Nick Freitas, member of the Virginia House of Delegates, but other than that, a fairly good guy. And for the purposes of this episode, I'm also going to mention that I am a combat veteran with Army Special Operations because it's going to be relevant. Spoiler alert, coming up a little bit later. With us is my lovely bride, Tina, Queen of the Bees. Hello, everyone. And look who's back. I know. I'm wearing the shirt from Florida and everything. Wow. The wow. prodigal, prodigal historian. <laughs> And uh, political prognosticator. Everyone's going to be so glad Christian Christian back. Hines. Like everyone was like, where's Christian? For any back. of you who are worried that are a member of our volley chat, that Christian has not joined yet. As soon as we're done with this episode, I will be showing him how to join and participate. <laughs> yeah. so don't worry. He we've, will be there. We've it all is. been yelling at him. It's like... You don't show up. You don't go on volley chat. <laughs> it's what, good what, to be what, back. What, what is it you say you do here? <laughs> He's the I'll tell you what I he did. He is the thousand pound brain of this operation. We'll, we'll get to it later in the show, but I looked uh, I looked a little bit into the details of the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, so I can't wait for us to get to talking about oh, you that You gave today. away the name. Yeah, wait, oh, wait, wow. way to go. You get back five seconds Spoiler into alert. it. Oh, my gosh. Are we going to have to bleep that out? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course... Producer of producers, Nicholas Hamilton, the good Hamilton, the one that doesn't like central banking. Well, Nick, Nick, you were just in Richmond the past two days. What were you doing down there? So I, I'm a member of the uh, public safety committee, and we actually did a couple of tours. We did one with the uh, state police, which was really interesting because they actually took us through some of the scenarios they do for their training, some of the simulators they do, which were, were really cool. Um, and, and, I, and I will just say this. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of journalists uh, that would benefit greatly by going, make a, an appointment with the state police, um, and really with a lot of our, our local departments as well, but go to the state police and just say, hey, I would like to run through some of your training scenarios that these guys have to deal with because it, it's always interesting to watch people that don't have any sort of experience with dealing with violent people or hostile, hostile situations. Um, you, you, put a, you, know, you put a training pistol in their hand and 
<laughs> anyways, it just usually doesn't go well for the same members of the press that are demanding all kinds of things out of, out of law enforcement. So that was interesting. And then today we actually, um, we were, we actually visited a state prison and we talked about some of the programs that they've instituted, to try to help people reentry to try to reduce recidivism sure. rates. We've actually seen some real positive uh, results for some of these, these programs in Virginia. So they're really interesting. So it was, yeah. it was great to learn more about that. So yeah, that's why, um, that's why yeah, I've been gone for a couple of days. And yeah, we might be a little bit late getting this episode. A little out. bit late. We apologize. A little bit late. Okay, so let's move on to our first uh, piece of legislation that we're going to reference today. It's called the PACT Act. And what this was is that a, a lot of it had to do with um, funding to help veterans that were dealing with like respiratory issues and other medical issues. Um, a lot of it was related to these burn pits because there was a lot of hostile or there's a lot of like dangerous chemicals and other things that had been burned in these. And it was it was you know, manifesting itself in different health and respiratory uh, diseases for veterans that was, you know, creating additional, uh, an additional need for resources. And pretty much everyone was, was fine with this, you know, like this bill and whatnot. And then all of a sudden the Democrats added another $400 billion, which they moved from discretionary spending over to mandatory spending, but it didn't, it wasn't required to go to the purpose of the bill. And the reason why this is so important is because you got to ask yourself, like, okay, you have a bill to do what you have a bill and you have a, or you, you have an, an act um, with appropriations that are going to be assigned to it to go toward a particular purpose. And everyone looks at it and everyone says, yeah, this seems fine. And, and pretty much everyone's supportive of it. And then you add $400 billion of additional spending, which is not, you know, closely tied to what the original act was for in the first place. So why would you do that? Why would you do that? Well, this is a budgetary trick that is done in Washington, D.C. all the time, right? And the whole purpose for it is you are adding spending that you could not otherwise justify. You could never get the votes necessary to pass it if you just voted for that spending by itself. So what do you do? You take something that is very popular, that has strong bipartisan support, that is otherwise going to pass with flying colors, and you attach it onto that. Then what you do, right, if you're a Democrat, is you call up all of your loyal media hacks and you tell them that the moment the Republicans choose to vote against this bill because you've added, you have deliberately added a poison pill in order to remove their support from it, you tell all of your loyal media hacks to report Republicans vote against veterans spending. That's what you do. That's why you do it. Then what you do is you go out and you claim that your political opponents are playing politics with veterans' health, even though that's exactly what you just did. Then you get punks, and he is, he's a punk, like Lance Kuntz, Kuntz I don't know, K-U-N-C-E. He's running for Senate in Missouri. And, you know, you, you go over there and you look at a service, you know, United States Marine Corps, combat veteran, one tour in Iraq, two tours Afghanistan, Marine Special Operations Command, which is true, which is true. He was their lawyer. All right, so he was a, a judge advocate general office with Marine Special Operations Command. Now, anything wrong with that? No. Thank you for your service, sir. Thank you very much. I'm also willing to bet that when you lead with combat Marine Corps veteran Marsoc, people are probably thinking guys running around kicking doors, getting terrorists. Just want everyone to know, probably not what this guy was doing. But he decided to go on Twitter and say to all the Republicans that voted against this, F you, right? Because it's that righteous indignation coming from a combat veteran. And I, I went right back onto his Twitter because he's like, well, this is why we got to flip this seat. This is why Republicans deserve to lose. I'm like, no, this is why you deserve to lose. 
Because either A, you didn't read the bill and don't know what's going on, which means you're ignorant of important legislation and you're mouthing off about it, or B, you're doing something that's even worse than what every non-combat veteran Democrat is doing right now, what every non-combat veteran member of the press is doing right now, where they're using veterans as a political prop to try to tear down Republicans because your side of the aisle decided to attach a bunch of spending that had nothing to do with the underlying reason for the bill in order to create a political situation where Republicans would remove themselves from sponsoring it so that you can then come out and say they're anti-veteran. And you're using your status as a combat veteran to perpetuate it. Got your number, dude. Know exactly the sort of guy you are. Because there's, it, it, look, if there's things you want to be mad at Republicans about over veteran stuff, there's things you want to be mad at Republicans about over going to war and stuff. You know what? There's probably a lot of issues where I'd stand right there with you and agree. But stuff like this is garbage and you exploited it and you used it for your Senate campaign because it was low-hanging fruit. Not because it was true. Not because there wasn't a good reason why Republicans like me who, oh, by the way, Lance, yeah, I was also special operations, but I was on the side that kicked the doors and got the bad guys. And I would have voted against this because it's garbage, because we have to teach Washington, D.C. a lesson that you don't use veterans as political props. If you have a bill with the funding allocated for a necessary need and everyone agrees on it, that's what we call a policy success. And when you take what would otherwise be a policy success and you turn it in to a political football to benefit you, maybe you shouldn't be telling everyone else to F off. Anyway, so if you wanted to know what the real story is behind that, this is purely, this was purely politics. This was someone taking an otherwise good bill and trying to attach a poison pill to try to create a political story during an election season. And I know that both sides do it, but I really don't appreciate it when it's used as a political prop. And when you have someone like this, who's running for the Democrat party's nomination, using his military credentials to push something like this. Not the bill, the narrative. If he wanted to get on there and say, hey, look, 400 billion additional and 400 billion, I, I think they should have voted for it anyways. Fine, make a fair argument. But there was no reason to add that additional spending, especially at a time when we're dealing with rapid inflation, especially at a time where we don't have the revenue for additional spending that isn't directly tied to the bill that's actually going to support service members. So don't use this as a prop, Lance, Lucas, 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 yeah, Koontz. I don't know, whatever. Don't vote for him. Okay. What will that money be spent on? Oh, we don't know. That extra money. We don't know. That, they can that basically is, just reallocate it to whatever they want since there's no mandatory spending this is, on it. This is one of the, this is one of the things that they, and, and again, in, in Richmond, in Virginia, we actually have rules with respect to germaneness issues. Now, that doesn't mean that games don't get played in the budget. Games do get played in the budget. But typically, we have a line item, and then we have money allocated for that line item, and it has to go into that. So even when we fight over the budget, we're still attaching money to the specific spending allocation. You know, we're not doing these little writers here where now you can have all this additional hundreds of billions of dollars that are now going to be allocated to something that may or may not actually go to the purpose for why the money was allocated, right? It's nobody in their right mind would do this with their own budget, right? Nobody in business would do it. In fact, if businesses did things like this, right? Right. Specifically, Elizabeth Warren would be prosecuting them. So, Let's just be honest. It, it is a garbage tactic. Yes, both sides have used it. And, and I've, I have called out my own side when they do crap like this. But it, what just really infuriates me about this is, again, them 
all the Democrats running be like, oh, look, a combat veteran. See, he agrees with us. You guys are mean. All right, well, let's play that game. I'm also a combat veteran. And no, it was the right course of action because the country I fought for is one where we're actually supposed to follow certain processes and do things which actually make sense within the confines of the Constitution, not come up with little gimmicks so that we can then tear down the other side and deny veterans the help that you claim you want to give them. So I'm sorry, I didn't fight for people to engage in that sort of garbage. Didn't this guy show burn pits being like, oh, these are the burn pits I sat next to. He said he, he said he showed it from his office. Oh, it was a, it was a picture from his office. See? Well, look, I, I'm not going to challenge the guy on whether or not he's dealt with this issue or is familiar with it. Because again, you didn't you didn't have to be in a combat arms role, right? Because that's a different. A lot of people go to a war zone. That doesn't mean everyone's engaged in like active combat operations. That's why we have combat arms. That's why we have what they call soft skills right? That doesn't mean that that isn't valuable. And it doesn't mean that it's not dangerous, right? There are plenty of people that work in support roles that do incredibly dangerous jobs. And I'm very grateful to all of them, right? This is not, I'm not sitting here getting in, in a contest with this dude about what he did versus what I did. I don't like the way he markets certain things, right? But it's more of this idea that you're going to use that credibility that you're supposed to have as a combat veteran to push what is a total political play, Right. If anything, you should have been going out there going, look, I don't approve of either side doing this. Both sides do it. I don't approve of that. Let's just stick with the original bill and the funding allocated to that. If you want additional funding, go make justification for that elsewhere. But don't don't use veterans health as as a way to spend money on other things. Right. That would have been an honorable thing to do. But nope, it was just easier to go for this. And I'm sure he raised millions of dollars. Right. Well, doing. I mean, crap all like they this. would have had to do is put put a disclaimer in there saying that they had to use it for veterans health. The other problem with this though, is that again, okay, where are you getting the additional $400 billion? Right. right. Well, that's true. Right. But like you, you had money allocated for a particular problem. If you wanted to add more, you could do that. But I mean, but our military is a legitimate want, function of government. Yeah. And so when we're talking about funding them, it's make the case for what you're funding. Keep in mind, they didn't want an additional $400 billion for veterans health. That's not what they wanted additional $400 billion for. They wanted an additional $400 billion that they could spend on things that they wanted. And again, they do this all the time and Republicans do it too, right? Some of the worst um, pork barrel spenders in the U.S. Senate were used to be Republicans when they still did a whole lot of the, the pork spending where they just add- Back when they had earmarks as a- well, earmarks, they're coming yeah. back now, but, yeah. but back when they really were a big, big thing. I, I think that, that the bigger message from all of this is- we hear about this all the time with like omnibus bills and Nick mm -hmm. just explained exactly why those things exist. Because if you were voting on individual legislation point by point, half this stuff would not be able to get passed, but instead you attach it to must pass bills. Mm -hmm. And at that point it becomes a, a save the puppies act, right? Yeah. You, you either vote for it, even with all the garbage in it, or you vote against it and you get attacked for hating the puppies. We made, we made a joke about this a while back where I was like, how bills are, how bills are made in Washington DC. It's like vote for the save the puppies act. Okay. But your save the puppies act, you know, opens a bunch of kill shelters and authorizes drone strikes in Ukraine. Why do you hate puppies? Yeah. Right? Like that's, that's how this game is played and it's a garbage game and, and I hate it. And, and, and again, I'm going to go, I'm going to reiterate this one more time before we move on. You served in uniform. I respect that. You went overseas into a combat zone. I certainly respect that regardless of what your job was over there. I do not like it when somebody tries to use their, their, their credibility because of those things in order to push something which is deliberately dishonest. Again, you're either ignorant about what happened or you're being deliberately dishonest about why you're mad about it. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to use your credentials, right, fine, then I'll use mine to show why, no, you don't care about veterans more than I do. 
You don't care about veterans' health more than I do, right? You're using a gimmick. Stop it. All right. And you would think that was like the worst thing that the press or Congress did. And it was pretty, pretty dang bad, right? Yeah. But if you wanted the perfect, as promised, if you wanted the perfect example of a bill name which will ensure that it does the exact opposite, despite the fact that the press is almost, almost uniformly lining up and being like, why would Republicans vote against an Inflation Reduction Act? Oh, it's even worse than that. The press is lining up and being like, this is Joe Biden's moment to shine. This is going to be the turnaround moment. It'll be the comeback kid story, baby. And and it's so funny that they're, they're like, this is, you know, th- this is going to be the thing that will save the Democrats in the midterm because they're going to be addressing the number one problem that Americans have, which apparently is climate change because that's actually what this bill is this is not the inflation reduction act this is the emissions reduction act is what it really is because i actually took the time to take a look at this bill um before today's episode you know what you'll never you'll never Get into elected office if you go about reading bills, Christian. Well, you're supposed good to news pass is, is them that, and then read them. <laughs> good Christian. news is, is that I have no intentions of ever running for anything. But um, no, this is 700 pages long. It's actually 725 pages long. Um, I did I did a little bit of reading and I also did a lot of keyword searching. <laughs> and first off, the word inflation only appears less than 50 times in this entire in a 725 page bill. page bill, which is designed to reduce inflation, yes. apparently. And by the way, three of those references are just referencing the title of the bill. <laughs> um, so, so you're actually looking at less than 40 examples of the word inflation popping up. And I counted them. Six were references to the name of the bill itself. Three were references to adjusting inflation fees related to energy drilling in the U.S. One, um, 16 of them were references to adjusting inflation for federal taxes on crude oil and other petroleum products. And 17 were in references to uh, prescription drug price controls. So long story short, the only inflation that this is addressing is making sure that the federal government keeps being able to take their cut yeah. out of the American taxpayer or American businesses. Well, it's, it's a massive tax increase it is a massive tax increase like, like when i said it's the the only thing that the fe- that, that is dealing with inflation in here is making sure the government can continue to take in money that otherwise would be worth less because of inflation there's not a single line in this entire piece of legislation that would make the cost of living which is what inflation is that's we've we've done a dozen episodes on this for both the y minutes and the podcast there's not a single line in this in this entire bill that reduces the cost of living for anybody in this country other than the federal government itself. Um, it, I mean, it, it is so disingenuous, this legislation. I actually did the, I, I counted it up. The The reference to, to climate change and emissions was three times, there, there were three times as many references to the word carbon in this piece of legislation than there was to the word inflation. Yeah. Um, the entire bill is, do, do you guys remember Solyndra from about oh, 10 years yes. ago? Yes. $500 million bailout. Oh, well, what about a $300 billion uh, Solyndra, you know, style bailouts? Like, like the, the, the amount of cronyism that is in this legislation for the green energy industry is so prevalent that all that you need to do is look at the ticker symbol ICLN mm-hmm. on the New York Stock Exchange, which is, which is one of the green energy ETFs. Yeah. Like, like every single one of those indexes that were tied to like the green energy, energy industry 
industry like just soared after this this uh, piece of legislation was put out for no reason. It wasn't like these companies were doing great. In fact, many of them were getting crushed by the market and higher interest rates because they're all loading up on debt because none of them are profitable. The only reason that their stocks were going up was because it looked like Wall Street was about to or not Wall Street. Washington was about to give them literally hundreds of billions of dollars in free. It's not even free in taxpayer money. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, here, here's the thing. So here's kind of like the first thing to really understand about this. Um, obviously, Christian made a really good argument for why this 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 doesn't help reduce inflation. Um, it actually hurts it. And, and the reason why is because, again, as we've discussed before, when the Fed is just printing out money and the overall value of your dollar is going down because they're just arbitrarily printing more money, right? That's inflation, right? And it causes all the prices to go up as a result because your, your dollar has less value. Now, what they're doing on top of that, though, now, now keep in mind, there's other reasons why prices go up. We've also discussed this. So you got supply chain issues, you have taxes, regulations, all of those things have an upward pressure on prices because the more you make it expensive to engage in productive activities within the economy, right, the more cost is associated with that. So their inflation reduction plan is specifically targeting like a lot of oil and gas and things like that. So the very things that we're relying upon right? To drive gas prices down, right? Like increasing supply. That's why, that's why at the same time Joe Biden was cutting oil supply in the United States, he was flying over to Saudi Arabia and begging them to send more into the open market. Because apparently if you drill for oil in the United States and you refine it here, that's environmentally catastrophic. But if you get it from a theocratic dictator in the Middle East, totally fine. Earth mother does not mind. And then ship it around the world. And then ship it around the world. <laughs> then that's that's so much better for Mother Earth. She, yeah. she totally does not mind. But so they did all this. So what they are doing right now is they're raising taxes on an industry, right? That is one of those industries that affects Everything. a number of other things in the economy. So whenever you're talking about like widespread prices going up. The reason why that's usually a result of monetary inflation is because when you decrease the value of the dollar, everything goes up as a result. Well, there's certain industries where if you negatively target them for taxes and regulation and you add the cost of doing business within those industries, that also has a disparate impact on a lot of other things because all the products that you get at the store were probably not made there, right? They were produced somewhere else. They were shipped, right? Flown, driven, to someplace else, to a retail front. So this is another way to cause prices to go up. So apparently it wasn't good enough for them to just print out trillions of dollars in order to, to drop the overall value of your dollar. Now they have to put in additional taxes that is gonna cause prices to go up again on a number of products that have nothing to do with the industries that they're targeting. Oh, it's I, even more funny than that because uh, another one of the huge beneficiaries from this legislation, which drastically increases taxes and increases energy costs. In fact, I remember reading a, a study that said that it could end up increasing the cost of a uh, price of, you know, a gallon of gas by around 90 percent by 2024 on top of what it's already at. Yeah. So um, hold on. We know it. Nothing in Washington, D.C. makes sense. But this makes no sense. OK. No, it does. It does. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> this is the thing we always go back and forth on, you right? You have to it's, look back at what their real goal is. Yes. Like what is. So whenever you see something coming out of Washington, D.C. that makes no sense. Here's what I can promise you. Makes sense to somebody. It does. It totally makes sense to somebody for some other purpose, but it's not the purpose they're all telling you it's for. Sure. Right? So like that whole, with that whole PACT Act, why would it make sense to add $400 billion of spending onto a bill that everyone likes? Because somebody wanted it. Because somebody wants to have the Republicans say, wait a second, you can't vote for this, and then say that they're anti-veteran ahead of election cycle. 
So that's why it makes sense for them to do that. It's not good for the veterans. So what's the likelihood that this gets passed? It all oh, hinges on cinema. Yeah, it all hinges on Christian cinema. Oh, that's And great. it's interesting yeah. because Manchin was the one that was holding it up before. And he had a lot of reasons why he was holding it up, but now he's no longer he opposing it. Well, they paid so him what, off. What I want to know is, well, was there some kind of concession in the bill that they gave him? Because, you know, West Virginia is big coal country. Did they go easy on coal? There's, is that what it was? I, no. it was? No, there was pipeline subsidies. Because there, I'm reading things saying that this is going to be really bad for West Virginia, and he's still voting for it. Well, it's really bad for the energy industry, yeah. but there's plenty of goodies in there that he can go back to his constituents yeah. with and and hope that he can try to bribe people with. Now, whether or not he'll be able to successfully do so is yet to be seen, obviously. But, like, the, the thing that really caught my eye, one of the things that really caught my eye, there were two things. One of them was this bill massively increases taxes and then takes a portion of those revenues and gives $80 billion, almost $80 billion. It's like 78 and change. Almost $80 billion to the IRS wow. for tax enforcement in order to increase the number of audits yeah. that the IRS is going to engage in. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was hilarious. So for all of you yeah, that that's really going to lower inflation right there. Yeah, that, so for all of you that found your, your taxes to be an absolute nightmare over the last couple of years between the federal government handing you money and then giving it back and then giving you a loan and then forgiving it, but then saying you got to pay taxes on it to stay low for all of you that had a nightmare for that 80 billion to go to the irs so they increase the number of audits after people that are actually going out there and trying to you know again, be productive be productive on a, on a side note i think it's really funny to me because there were democrats going crazy over elon musk possibly buying twitter for four 66 it was 44 billion 44 billion, 44 billion. Yeah. Um, and they, they were doing some crazy, weird, uh, fuzzy Democrat math being like, oh, you could give every person this X amount of dollars. And it's like, it, it was, the, the math did not work. However, <laughs> what I, what I don't understand is how that was bad, but the government can go ahead and spend all of this money on IRS agents. Yeah. Well, again, so, oh, let, it's so let's go back to the, like, why does this, why does this actually make sense? Okay, again, if you're someone that actually wants inflation to go down, this does not make sense. If you're someone that wants to build a business, expand your business, this does not make sense. If you're someone that would like to not get audited, this does not make sense. If, however, you are adamant about transitioning over to a more green economy and you want to use everything that is going on in the world right now as justification for that, and you want to sow the seeds for basically punishing particular industries and rewarding others, this all makes perfect sense. So you're saying yeah, they're true. exacerbating the problem yes. to expedite the solution, that oh. they their solution. Well, the, yeah, the, so their solution has always been this idea. And whenever you hear the government talk about, like, this is going to create X many jobs. Okay, first of all, understand something. The government does not create jobs in the sense that the free market does. Like when you go out and you spend your money at the store, you're doing more to create useful jobs than any government spending bill ever. Sure. Because though the jobs that are being built based off of you spending your money are being built based off of what consumers actually right. want in the economy that, that fuels their needs, right? When jobs are created by the government, it's because politicians decided, well, this is what we need jobs for. Now, that doesn't mean that every job that is you know created through your tax dollars is illegitimate. That's not it. But it's a it's a definitely a less efficient way, and the government ends up creating jobs all the time that nobody asked for in the economy, yeah. but politicians preferred it, and so they gave preferential treatment 
to that special interest. To give you an idea of just how absurd the amount of, because I think that, that when you start talking about like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 80, 300 billion dollars, yeah. it just, you it kind of glazes over your yeah. eyes. To give you an idea of just how much money that is, 80 billion, and, and that, that wasn't even the largest chunk. There was there was like almost 300 billion in subsidies for, for the green energy industry, but just the 80 billion for the IRS alone. That is more money in this legislation that is being given to the IRS than the Russian military spent on itself oh my this gosh. year. Yeah. What? As yeah. they're invading a European country, engaged in the largest land war that Europe has seen in 80 years, the Russian military is going to be spending less invading Ukraine. The IRS could invade Ukraine with the amount of money that Congress is giving them. Wow. So let me, let me just clarify this. They print a bunch of money and they make everybody poorer. Yes. Then they're going to spend a bunch of money when we don't have it. Yeah. And they're going to spend it by increasing taxes and probably printing more money. And then they're going to spend $80 billion on the IRS yeah. to ensure they can get every cent out of every individual in America so they can spend more. Yes. And this will reduce inflation. Let me ask you this. <laughs> this needs okay. to be called F the Standard of Living Reduction Act. Yeah. Is That's what it needs what to it be is. called. Or, or the No F IRS Or the Quality of Life Reduction Act. Quality, quality of Life Reduction yeah. Act. That's well, it. I got to ask a question real yeah. quick. Um, okay. We're all dealing with higher prices at the pump. We're all dealing with higher prices at the grocery store. I mean, we already covered in a previous episode the fact that um, our our inflation rate is closer to 18%. Actually, it's probably even higher than that. Yeah. And we all know, we go, we look at things at the grocery store, and we know this is so much higher than it, than it used to be. Tell me what these massive tax hikes on industry and, and corporations and everything else are going to do to the average American's pocketbook at the grocery store. Oh. We're already struggling here. And you're telling me that raising taxes on the companies that are making the goods and services that we are complaining about the high prices on, you're telling me that this is not just going to pass right on to the consumer? It sounds like to me they're purposefully doing this to give themselves a better case to push forward with the green energy. Yeah. Up. So, so again, you, you got to understand the, the, it's not just this bill happening like by itself. So if you look, if you look at this bill, what's really obvious, right? So like aliens come from a different planet and be like, oh, let me read this bill. And I know nothing about your politics. They would come to the conclusion that, oh, you guys want to give a lot of money to solar, wind and electric car companies. And you really hate oil and gas and you love IRS agents, right? Like this would be the inevitable conclusion that they would come to. So when they talk about we're going to raise taxes, but this actually reduces deficits. Well, okay. Again, you notice how reducing deficits is never achieved in DC by spending less money. It's by taking more money from people that are like earned it out in the economy. Well, again, you're, you're stealing that money from the economy. So it would have served a purpose there, whether through investment or buying goods and services or whatever it was. So that has an adverse effect, but then you're going to come back and now you're going to manipulate the economy to go in the direction that you wanted to by giving money to your buddies, right. And punishing the people that you don't like. So now you're manipulating the economy. In the meantime, they love to talk about deficit reduction, but really what we need is spending reduction, mm -hmm. right? That's the way to reduce the deficit. So in the end, the question is going to be, once they get the money, right, how much, if, if they start engaging in new spending, which they almost always do, then they're not even really cutting the deficit. 
And they're going to be so tempted to use whatever funds they can actually raise to send out like more checks to people right before the election that's cycle. That's what Biden's already talking about wanting to it, do more. And they're going to they're going to say that's how we're going to that's how we're going to protect help people deal with inflation is by giving them more government oh money. But they're doing and there's only two ways you can do it at this point. There's three ways you can the government can spend right. It can borrow it, it can tax it, or it can print it. It's been printing a whole heck of a lot of it. It's also it didn't stop taxing and borrowing, by the way. It just upped its printing game. Well, now it's going to up its taxing game to go along with the excess printing it's doing. Meanwhile, they're raising interest rates. And then what they're going to do is they're going to, and then the other, here's the other part. Here's part two, right? So that whole part was like what they're doing with this bill. Part two will be they will constantly hammer home with, and they've been already doing this, Mean, greedy corporations, mean, greedy oil and gas, mean, greedy, you know, whatever. Any any industry they don't like is mean and greedy. And every industry they do like is going to save the world and needs your tax dollars. So they're going to try to get you to hate when, when you when you have to show up to the pump and you have to get gas or when you go up to, you know, a grocery store or whatever it is to get groceries and you're angry about the price. What they want you to think is the the company is is the one that is guilty for the high prices and the government gave me this nice check and the government's punishing those mean people that got those profits by giving me some of the money so I can afford these products. That's how they want you to look at it. That's not what's actually going on, right? They're, they're, they're once again, they're, they're pushing inflation and higher prices. And then they're trying to bribe you with your own money or with money that they either tax from people that had to raise the cost of their services, goods and services, or they're printing it so they're actually reducing the overall value of the check they handed you. Can I ask a question real quick? So, no. so piecing all of this together, all of these talking points, what they're saying that they want, um, it looks to me like, so the Fed is going to continue to ratchet up um, interest rates. Mm -hmm. um, they want to be able to give out these stimulus checks, so chances are they're going to keep, they're going to print more money. Um, and they're doing these massive spending bills along with massive tax hikes. And uh, what I want to know is what's coming down the road. If this is the combination they use, if they stick with this combination, because normally what we see is, oh, you know, we've got inflation. We need to ratchet up, uh, you know, our, our interest rates so that the inflation will come down or at least level out and stop printing. But that only works if you stop printing. Now, if you keep on printing and you're raising taxes and you're increasing government spending, what's coming for us? Explain what's coming for us as the average family. What's the end of, so the complex jargon term would be the end of what we would call debt monetization, which is, I mean, that's basically already on its way out the door as the Fed keeps raising But we're talking rates. about not just a recession depression. at that point. We're talking about, yeah, a, we're talking about a depression. When the debt monetization scheme that the Federal Reserve has been using, gosh, since 2008 to keep the federal, uh, the federal budget propped up, when that comes to an end, it, it'll get really, really bad really, really quickly. Um, because you can only, and to explain what I mean by debt monetization in like 30 seconds, debt monetization is when the federal reserve or a central bank creates money, usually electronically, we call it printing and they go to, they don't go out into the bond market. That's what they were doing in uh, 2020 to keep the, the stock market propped up. They were like just buying securities out on the open market to try to keep prices high, which created 
the inflation that we see today. Debt monetization is when they buy government securities. Yep. So they buy treasury bonds, basically. They're buying the debt. They're buying debt. That's hence the term debt monetization. You are monetizing, you, you are you're taking debt. The Federal Reserve is 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 taking on federal debt. It's purchasing these bonds, and in return, it's giving the federal government literally free money. It is creating money out of thin air, because I can't create it out of thin air, but they can. And I could buy a treasury bond too, but if I'm buying a treasury bond, it's coming from money that I earned. Whereas the Federal Reserve didn't have to earn the money. The Federal Reserve could just create the money, then go and buy the treasury bonds. And they can do that all they want when interest rates are zero, because the federal government pays no price for selling treasury bonds when interest rates are effectively zero. Well, what happens when interest rates are 9%? Suddenly, the cost to facilitate that debt, let alone pay it down, but but just to maintain the interest on the debt, is going to be astronomically yeah. large, mm-hmm. which is going to drive inflation through the roof. When, uh, and it's going to lead to a complete collapse of the federal budget at that point, which is why debt monetization is literally like banned in some countries that yeah. don't have the power, the staying power. The federal government is so powerful and the American economy is so powerful that we can get away with this for a while. Many other countries, they tried this in Zimbabwe. Yeah. And we've done why minutes on this. They tried this in Sri Lanka. Yeah. And, and we've talked about that before as well. Some of these smaller countries, they tried it in Greece 15 years ago before the Euro debt crisis. And every single time they've tried it in some of these other smaller countries, it has failed immediately because they don't have the staying power to do it for long. We can do it for long, but even we can't ignore economic reality forever. And as interest rates keep rising and we don't shut off the money printer, something will break in the system eventually. And unfortunately, the person that's going to get hurt are going to be ordinary people. They're yeah. not going to be the politicians. Paycheck, They're not going to be Wall Street. Yeah. They're going to be ordinary people. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, so again, you, you look at all, how all these things function. If the government continues to print money, right, at the same time that they're raising interest rates. So obviously when interest rates goes up, it makes it harder to actually get money to for you know building things and investing in capital projects and getting a home and all these other things. If they're still printing money though, okay, well then where's that going? Well, they're buying government debt, right? They're, they're trying to keep it at a point where the, the government continue to spend money. Well, you can't do that forever because your, your debt gets up to a certain point where you, it's just not sustainable. And then your, your currency loses massive amounts of value. Well, okay, well the moment you can't monetize the debt anymore and your interest rates are high and you, you can't borrow like you were able to use to because the economy is not kicking. You can't tax it as much as you're used to because there's just, I mean- you're, you're, you're moving toward tax revolt at that stage. Something has to give. Well, at that point, you have to look at where is the, where is the vast majority of the federal budget spent? Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare. Most people think it's like the defense budget. No. The, the defense budget is a, is a very big line item within what we call like the discretionary budget. Unfunded um, liabilities not, are not, massive. And not, not all discretionary, right? But there's, there's a difference between your, your like things that um, every budget you have to pay out like your social security, your Medicaid, mm-hmm. your Medicare. So what, when Tina referenced like the unfunded liabilities with those, if you, if you look at the projections with respect to things like population growth and rising costs and everything else, and then you look at the amount of money that, that those things consume, right? We've, we've kicked the can down the road so long with these things. And it's important to understand this is unpopular. I always get people mad at me when I bring this up. So the way social security was set up originally, like on day one, it was not sustainable. On day one, it was not sustainable. Mm-hmm. 
because it wasn't set up like an actual insurance or, or even a, a savings account where I put money into something, it accrues interest right. over time, and then I pull out from that it. That was a later the original day. intent, wasn't it? They said that, but no. It, from the, the moment they were started handing out checks to people that had never paid into Social Security, uh-huh. you weren't actually doing that anymore. Now, a lot of people now will say, well, but I paid into Social Security all my life. Yes, and I'm sorry because the government actually spent it on other things. Um, but what, what we need to understand right now with where we're at is, is that with these unfunded liabilities, so interest rates are high, which makes it really, really hard to invest in any sort of long-term capital projects, stuff like that. Money's continue being printed in order to monetize the debt. Problem is you can't do that forever. The moment that the government um, can't take that money anymore, all of a sudden it starts to default on things that it is legally required to pay for. Well, we're not going to default though because well, the, we well, have a monopoly on our currency. Well, but but that, the problem is, is that, we, we, okay, you're right in the sense that we can just print out more money and quote, not default, but you will actually get to a point where you have so debased your currency. That's where we're going. To where it's it's worthless at that everybody point. Everybody says that, like I see this all the time whenever you're talking about like the, um, the debt ceiling and everybody's like, we might default. What the MMT people get right. Modern monetary theorists. Yes. What the MMT, the money printer go burr is a good thing, people. What they get right, the one thing they get right is that we can't, well, we could, but like we will never default as a country. What they get wrong is that that is actually not a good thing (laughs) because- what they mean by that is we will never default because the Federal Reserve has a monopoly on the creation of money and the Treasury can create money and, and the federal government has a monopoly on their own currency. So we, we we can't default because we can just print the money to pay the debt. The Weimar Republic thought the exact same yeah. thing in the early 1920s when they had something like $100 billion in World War One debt that they needed to pay off, largely because debt they took on and then the Treaty of Versailles imposed more debt on them. Their response was, oh, well, then we'll just print the money to pay off the debt. And and as they printed the money, the money became worthless. But they kept doing it anyway to pay off the debt. And eventually yeah. they were able to wipe out the debt because they completely destroyed their economy in the process. We could do that. But in doing so, it would it would absolutely we would be Venezuela. Or, that's, or, that's where you get to the depression part. Mm. It's like the, these things don't again, when they when they when the MMT people are acute about like, well, we can't technically default because we have. OK, you're you're right. You can't default on the debt. What you can do is give people social security checks and federal reserve notes that are worthless. And you can legally say, we've paid you in federal reserve notes, just like we promised. But when those federal reserve notes don't buy anything in the marketplace anymore, then, okay, you're right. You have technically not defaulted. You've just, you know, messed over, you know, the entire population that was actually, you know, relying on this for their livelihood. And, and that's, that's what this comes down to on the depression standpoint. Like it, it, they are, they are pushing it to the breaking point right now. And they're always going to offer some sort of new gimmick, right? And the new gimmick here is, well, we're going to, we're going to use this as an opportunity to reinvest in green energy and remake the economy. And this is going to create millions of jobs within green industry. It's like, do you really think it's, or anybody cares right now? Well, no, it's not even that. Do you really think it's that easy? Do you, do you really think by government fiat, you can just say, Make everything work. Well, legally we're required to. I guess we will. It doesn't work but that this way. This is the pattern that the government always has. I mean, we we spoke about Social Security and we spoke about this tax bill. This tax bill, um, if I was reading that correctly, it looks like they're doing all. They're they're basically creating uh, revenue off of these taxes, but they're spending the revenue on the front end. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. 
they are depending on things coming in in the future. That's exactly what they did with Social Security. They looked at the birth rates mm -hmm. and they went, oh, well, each family's having, what was it like? <laughs> four and five four, kids. Four or five <laughs> kids. You know what it reminds me of? So, four, four or five kids. And so those four or five kids will be in the workforce propping up the two or one or two people at the top getting the Social Security. Well, then the birth rate goes down to like two and a half. And now you got two people propping up two people. That doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And and yeah. so we're going to see the same thing with this bill, with this uh, with this tax bill. They're, they're going to get everything they want. And then um, down the road, when their policies cause an economic crisis they will to blame deepen, it on the greedy yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll deepen the crisis so it won't bring in as much revenue as they think it yeah. will because they're making assumptions based on current numbers. Oh, no, they're, they're going to blame it on the marketplace as a whole. This is a yeah. failure capitalism. of capitalism. Yeah. That's exactly what they're going to do. This reminds me so much of what happened about 20 years ago. Yeah, about 20 years ago-ish with the Enron scandal. Yeah. Where, long story short, Enron was a giant energy corporation about in the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, huge, huge scandal that blew up. In fact, it, it was so big that it sank one of the big five auditing firms in the U.S. Yeah. That's why there's only four now. Yeah. Um, and long story short, what Enron was doing was they were signing these contracts with these other companies, and then they, they would do the calculations and be like, oh, well, you know, we estimate that over a 10-year period, this is going to bring in $50 billion into our, you know, into our coffers. And so then they would write onto their balance sheets, we made $50 billion, <laughs> wow. despite the fact that nothing had been yeah. done yet. And they kept doing that for years and years. And so, so all their balance sheets were reporting that like they're just a cash flow machine they're just just ro rolling in the dough when in reality they hadn't done anything yeah. yet and and then finally it was like some reporter that was like digging into the fundamentals and they were like i think enron stock might be overvalued and they wrote this article about it and then it was like the whole scandal imploded yeah. and enron crashed and went to zero and and and, and it, it well, is you had solyndra happen as well that it, it is a Sleight of the hand, gimmicky. What it is is, quite frankly, remember the guy who who was one of the architects of Obamacare that said, you know, well, we were hoping that the stupidity of the average American would would lead to them not seeing all of the stuff that we were doing with with Obamacare. Yeah. He said that in like 2014, right before Democrats got wiped out of the midterm elections. Yeah. What this is is. This is a classic example of Washington, D.C. thinking that the American people are too stupid to yeah. look beyond the title of a bill. And they see the word inflation reduction and they did the polling and they determined that everybody cares about inflation right now. So mm -hmm. they think that they can cram in the new the Green New Deal and a bunch of Solyndra style cronyism and a bunch of other pet projects to fund the IRS, who, by the way, they're pack 100 percent of their donations yeah. for the IRS Employees Union goes to Democrats. Yeah. So they're just trying to funnel money into electing more Democrats using this legislation. Wow. They think cramming all of this garbage in here and slapping a label on it that literally actually increases inflation. There was a study by the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, which is one of the... Um, they, they do a lot of like budgeting scenarios. Yeah. In fact, they're so prominent that Manchin's own office uses them more than they use the Congressional Budget Office to determine the fiscal impact of legislation. They put out a study saying that this is actually going to increase inflation until 2024. And then after that, it will have a net zero change on inflation. And so they... The Democrats in D.C. genuinely believe that if you just slap a yeah. label onto something that's basically the Green New Deal, yeah. which is this is the Green New Deal light, yeah. 
then suddenly people are going to give them credit oh, for and then, addressing and then, the problem. And then you get people like, you know, John Stewart and Madonna and Greta Thunberg to run around talking about how great it is. And it's like, and then the media just, you know, sits there and, oh yeah, this is great. This is wonderful. And, and that's, that is really what they're counting on. This is political math. The political math is if they can hand out enough money, if they can delay uh, problems long enough, then they can get through the midterms. And then if they can, if they can use the power in order to convince people that this is all, this is the private sector and they're the ones riding in on the white horse to save you, they'll get away with it. Well, but they won't forever. Well, they okay, might win it's, an election it's the, cycle. It's the, old, it's the old quote, right? You, you can ignore economic reality. You cannot ignore the results of ignoring economic mm -hmm. reality. And, and that's, but again, it, it's not so much about, <laughs> it's not so much about what happens to people in their minds as much as who they blame and what right. they blame for it yep. happening. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, it, you've seen this before with like brutal dictatorships that have done horrible things to people. Like you, you can still go back and talk to a generation in Russia that loves Stalin. He was a strong leader. Like it, it, the amount of manipulation and gaslighting that is going on right now. And what's so incredible is that we're also at a point where people are, people have the ability still to some degree to stand up and speak out against it, but they're also a little bit concerned because we also saw how quickly you could be deplatformed or demonetized or potentially lose your job if you said something that the state didn't agree with. Yeah. Um, but that's where we're moving to right now. And, and it is a little bit terrifying. Well, they only, you know need to, they only need to make it to the next election and they know that. So if they can soften the blow enough, if they could fluff, get you to, to take on a little bit of fluff long enough, uh, you'll vote for them and you'll put them back in. But here's what's scary to me is that there was a poll that just recently came out saying that people are still leaning toward the Democrats because they care more about being able to uh, kill their unborn than they do about the economy. So all they need to do is get this economy to a point where it's just, it's, it's manageable. It, it, they can, mm -hmm. they, they have a narrative yeah. that people are willing to believe or accept. And that's all they need to do because they're so riled up about not being able to kill babies anymore that uh, they're going to go ahead and and push this. That's what that poll said. Now, of course there was like 15% of people that were undecided. And I think that's, That's where we're going to see the difference. Yeah. But still, this is, it is terrifying to me that people care so much about the ability to kill their offspring more so than they, than they care about being able to feed the offspring yeah. they allow to live. Well, that goes into what Hamilton and I, you were talking about, or you and I were talking like yesterday, just you and us about the, the culture war thing and how right. a lot of people will vote based on that more than their pocketbooks or their standard of living. And and when I say that, I don't mean that that pejoratively like I'm dismissing it. I'm deeply pro-life, right? But but what I mean by that is is that it is it's it it is kind of shocking that that some people are voting based on, you know, whether or not they can they can have an abortion well, I think over. The, I think the difference is, is the issues within the culture war, they see pretty quickly whether, you know, the abortion issue. When it comes to economics in your pocketbook, crap has hit the fan by the time you see prices rising on the shelf. Well, right. and they're really good at, at pointing to a different boogeyman. It's well, complex. Well, I, 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 right I, I, now, I wanna, I, we're all in a bunch of, everybody is doing a bunch of cleanup. Like this whole thing with Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan, this is wag the Pelosi at this point <laughs> because here's the deal. Her husband gets a drunk driving charge and 
gets off easy for it. And it wasn't even a, a, it wasn't like a, oh, he blew a little high. No, he was drunk. And then she uh, gets highlighted for all of this, what looks like insider trading to a massive degree um, through her husband. What did she do? I need to go to Taiwan. I need to make China hate me and everyone look at me like a hero. You know what? I don't recognize what's going on here. I don't think the left actually hates billionaires. I think they they love them as long as they spend it on what they want. I think they hate billionaires that got rich without their help. Yes. Yeah, they do. Yes. You're absolutely right. We've talked about this before. It's a form of economic fascism is what these people actually really want. And what Tina said, what scares her, what scares me is more on the the medium to long term where – the stuff that we're the path that we're on is already unsustainable and we're just making it more unsustainable in terms of, you know, the economic realities that we're facing, especially with the inflation thing, the debt monetization thing, the federal budget deficit in general, the high levels of taxation. And folks, we have seen this time and time again that when an economic crash, and I don't mean a recession, I mean a depression. When stuff like that happens, people start turning to radical political ideologies as a solution. Um, the election immediately after the 1929 crash in Germany produced the largest percentage of the vote for the Nazis and the communists that Germany had ever seen ever. Wow. Because the Nazis were successful in making everybody think it was whose fault. Right? Well, I mean, they ma- they blamed a whole people group for their problems. It wasn't just that. They yeah. also blamed the failures of the market because the yeah. Nazis were a bunch of central planners as well. And obviously so were the communists. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that there's been studies on this that have shown that throughout history, when when things go really south economically, people start abandoning their faith in representative government. They start going for look. People will seek security. Strong men. People people will seek security. And, and look, this this is not something to look at as like oh they're just all weak or they're sheeple or whatnot. Look, if the Mongolian horde is charging down on your village and about to set it on fire and sell you into slavery, and somebody shows up with an opposing armor to stop them. You're thankful for it. Yeah. Right? So let, let's just be honest about human nature right now. The, the, the tragic part of all this is that we're not staring down the barrel of a gun of some foreign power that's about to impose something on us and therefore running to a different power to help us. We're electing people who are doing this to us. We're doing it to ourselves. Because they have a, they have a different vision of how society should be organized. And in their vision, it's, a, it's about government power. Now, they may be completely convinced that they have nothing but the best intentions for people and that they're going to create equality and equity and wealth and prosperity and health. And they might think all of that, but their mechanism for doing it is more government power. Well, how do you impose that on a people that have representative government and are not necessarily inclined to being told what to do. You do it through fear, mm-hmm. right? And, and, the, and when you can actually establish the fear, when you, when you can actually create the environment and, and you can point to your political enemies and say, that's what you need to be afraid of, trust me. Yeah, you'll be shocked at what people well, are willing to give you, up and what they're willing to endure. Now, I know we, we've got to wrap this up. Here's the good news. What's the takeaway? Here's the good news in all of this, right? Because everything we've just talked about is like totally doom and gloom. Yeah. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> the good news. The good news is this. I, I still believe that out of any country in the world, because of the way we're organized through things like federalism, that despite 
all of the problems that we're facing, we are also the ones best positioned to eventually weather this and then come out the other side better off for it. It is all about what lesson will we learn through the loss we are about to experience. There is going to be an economic downturn. There is no way to get out of what people have been doing, what politicians have been doing for the last hundred years without a little bit of pain. The good news is, is as problematic as some, some of this is, the entrepreneurial spirit, private property rights, you know, there's so many things that are still essential to our society. And I think still a, a part of the, the, you know, the fabric of this country that if we learn the right lesson, if we learn the lesson that we cannot allow the fed to operate this way, we cannot allow central banking to, to determine the value of our money, the way that they have been. We cannot allow the government to have this much power over our healthcare and our retirement and the economy in general. We have to give more freedom and more leeway to individuals. We have to let them keep more of what they earn. We have to, you know, get the government out of constantly through regulations and occupational licensing and all of this. We, we have to take away that power because if we do, it's not that everything will always be perfect forever. People are, you know, we're, we're fallen, right? Um, and we, we make mistakes. But when we have the ability and we are secure in the knowledge that when I work hard for something, I will get the benefit of what I've done, provided that it's bringing value to other people. When, when our success as individuals is tied to our ability to be able to provide and produce in such a way that it makes others, other people's lives better, that has a positive incentive structure that ripples throughout the entire marketplace and ripples throughout society and communities. The other thing that we're going to have to learn from all of this, that we've been talking a lot about economics, I want to talk about one more thing here from a social component. They're going to try to convince you that the only thing that is going to save you is a government program coming in and replacing the very institutions that we have relied upon as a species for millennia now. There is no government program that replaces a mother and father in the home. There is no government program that can replace the sort of community that is genuinely fostered by people voluntarily choosing to help one another in times of struggle. There is no government institution or agent or bureaucracy which can replace the family, the community, the church. They cannot do it. And the lesson, if we learn this lesson, that the government has a role to play, but it has to stay within the boundaries of, of its legitimate functions. And it has to allow the rest of us, the free people, to be able to work out these other issues within society. If we can learn that lesson, we can emerge stronger than the country has ever been before. Ever yeah. been before. And that's encouraging. It re we really should look at this. For, for all of us that truly believe that, Right, shut off Twitter for a little bit and start looking at, okay, if we know these things are going to happen, what are the things that I can do in my own life or within my church or within my civic organization? What are the things that we can start doing that uh, allows us to make wise decisions? All right, if we, if we know that education is difficult right now, how can we help? If we know that healthcare is going to be difficult right now, what are the sort of skill sets that we have within our community where we can bring those to bear? If we know that food prices are getting to the point where we have families that can't afford stuff, how do we do stuff, grow stuff, engage in activity and commerce that allows for that to be able to thrive as we learn these lessons, become more resilient, and remember 
that the strength of this country has never been found exclusively or even predominantly in the ability to elect our political representatives every two to four years. It has always been found in the inherent freedom that Americans get to exercise within our own lives, with our families, and with our community. And if we can get back to, back to that, the, the brightest days are ahead of us. Well, that All right. was great. That was. <laughs> All right. So listen, be aware, but don't be afraid. I like that. God has not created us with a spirit of fear. All right. Amen. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you next episode. Once again, thank you very much for listening. If you want to support the show, again, one of the best ways you can do it is by heading over to GoodRanchers.com with promo code Nick. You're going to get $15 off. You sign up for one of those subscriptions, and you're going to get up to $480 of free meat with that subscription. You get to pick top sirloin, salmon, chicken breast, bacon. It is all up to you. Plus, if you're looking for gifts to get for the people that are impossible to shop for, GoodRanchers.com also has gift boxes. You need to act quick. This is part of their overall Black Friday special. So head on over to goodranchers.com, use promo code Nick, and once again, thank you for listening.